created live on Fireside. Welcome, I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. everyone my apologies thank you for so so much for joining me today live on fireside chat where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience i am your host Lori lee binstock everyone has an opportunity to ask me or our guest questions by requesting to hop on stage or sending a message in the chat box i will try to get you but i do ask that everyone be respectful today's guest is mandy harvey she is a global leader in trauma healing. Mandy, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I do want to talk to you, you know, we're, I wanted to talk to you about chronic illness and trauma and that connection. Um, we've had folks talk a little bit about that, um, but you also have a program and a protocol to actually solve it all. So um, for for people who haven't heard any of my previous podcasts, could you, Mandy, talk about the connection between chronic illness and trauma. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, what's very interesting about chronic health issues as we become adults, once we um, start to develop them, it's not uncommon. I think we all know someone or more than one person who might suffer with some type of chronic health issue or autoimmune condition. It is a very common experience. Um, But there is a correlation between developing that later in life and what we experienced in our early childhood. And what's really interesting to me is that our protocols currently to care for our chronic health issues, to care for our, our autoimmune conditions are often focused on our diet, which is an important element. It's focused on our lifestyle, which is also important, and perhaps some medication. Um, but the people that I work with often don't resolve their health issues or don't feel a sense of relief with those three pillars. And in my own um, history of being a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and someone who is also a somatic experiencing practitioner, I started to really dive into the um, underbelly of why would someone get, uh, why would someone struggle to improve their health when they're eating the right things, when they are um, moving their bodies in the right way and they're feeling some relief, but they're really not able to get over the edge of feeling like they're able to thrive in their life. And as I started to uncover um, and discover kind of the correlation between our early childhood experiences and our health later in life, that really started to help me see this missing piece that we often don't, um, we don't include in our protocols. We're not told about it. And that was also the case for myself. And it comes down to, um, what I like to talk about in terms of emotions and our um, immune system. So emotions in general, they have one fundamental function. And that really, our emotions, if you think about them, is to allow what is healthy, what is nourishing, and what is supportive for us, allowing that into our life. And 
um, our emotions can also help us keep out what is toxic and dangerous. They can become this uh, filter for us. They can become this um, uh, kind of this roadmap, if you will, to help us know what's what's helpful for us and what isn't helpful. Um, but that is also the role of our immune system. Our immune system does the, exactly the same thing. It's to keep out what's toxic and to let in what's nourishing, letting in the nutrients, the vitamins, the healthy bacteria, um, and to keep out and destroy what isn't healthy and supportive for us. So the emotional system and the immune system are exactly the same function. So when we experience something traumatic in childhood, or even if we had well-meaning parents, but they unfortunately just didn't meet our needs as a child. Um, and we learn that uh, we need to repress our emotions or we learn to um, hold shame about who we are and how we're, um, how, how we're feeling or we are taught that we are, you know, we believe we're bad or wrong because of experiences we've had in childhood, we start to repress ourselves emotionally and that can have an impact on our immune system. So the more that we learn to repress our emotions and the more that we repress ourselves just in general, the more impact it has on our immune system. So when we, um, going a little bit deeper into childhood, when we have a traumatic experience in childhood or we have ongoing uh, traumatic experiences like abuse or neglect or emotionally unavailable um, caretakers or um, anything in the realm of that, um, we our bodies go through a process to activate our stress hormones. So say we experience something stressful, our body goes through the process of activating our adrenals and activating our stress hormones. That process is meant to help us ready our body to fight a, a threat, to run away from the threat or, and you know get ourselves to safety. But as a child, oftentimes if we're experiencing abuse on a regular basis, we or any of these circumstances we, I just shared, we're not able to run away or fight our uh, abuser in most cases. And so the body cannot turn off those functions once it has started. And what happens is one, that trauma as a child gets stuck in our body and in our psyche, but two, that stress of that trauma and the activation of our stress hormones to ready our body to fight or flee, that process starts to impact our biology. And it essentially makes us uh, more susceptible to getting stressed faster. So if you think about, we experience something like that in childhood, and as we become an adult, um, we may, if we have not healed those experiences and we're, we've learned to repress ourselves emotionally, that stress response becomes faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. We experience stress as an adult and eventually our bodies just give out. We can only handle so much before our bodies burn out. And then we start to develop these chronic health issues because of the impact that that stress has had on our immune system and the, um, the repressing of those emotions and the energy of those emotions in our body starts to uh, deteriorate our health. And then we start to develop these health issues. Wow. You know, I, somatic experiencing was 
so vital in my healing and understanding of trauma. Um, when I was first um, seeking help um, in mm. 2020 and residential treatment, somatic experiencing was a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm able to kind of understand that I obviously have my moments where I'm, I, I can't really think logically and rationally about what's actually happening in my brain. But, you know, I, I think you know this. I, I actually tore my ACL recently. Um, and I just got uh, surgery a couple weeks ago. And my husband has gone, is, is away. Mm. And so I, I feel like my stress level is so heightened. And I feel like I've been so just... Yes. so completely reactive with my children. And I realized when I was, I was like downstairs and we live in, you know, a three, it's like three stories in Capitol Hill. It's very narrow and tall. Um, and my children, I heard them on the third floor screaming and like immediately I just felt like everything just tense up because typically mm -hmm. if they're screaming, I'm like, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> but now, but I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to take me forever to get up those stairs oh, right now. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I started getting stressed out and getting angry and upset. And I, you know, I just imagine a wounded animal in the forest and just like yeah. being wounded and like just the sound of rustling will like really heighten their awareness of what's, what's happening. Am I, am I going to die right now? <laughs> Cause that's, yeah. a, that's the feeling I was getting, but yes, no, I, I just, but that just that understanding of from somatic experiencing has been so vital um, for me. And I want to get into how you're working that into the programs that you're providing for people. But I do wanted I do want to ask like if you are comfortable in telling your personal story because I know for for me most of the, you know my my podcast is a trauma survivor thrivers podcast and. The majority of people, if not all of the people who come on, really, their their gift of helping people is from healing their own their own self their own experiences and traumas yeah. that they've experienced. So I was wondering if you were, were comfortable in talking about your own experience. Yeah, absolutely. Just similar with you, somatic experiencing was a huge uh, modality of healing for me that really got me to the other side. <laughs> I feel like really kind of helped push me to the other side of the healing pendulum, if you will. Um, but I always, I say that I was born into trauma. I was born to a single mother who was uh, operating from her own trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, she had men come in and out of our life. And those men weren't the greatest and were often very abusive to me. So from a very young age, I experienced uh, sexual abuse uh, from these men and from the age of five to the age of 14. And my relationship with my mother was one that she was not home. She was not around very often. She was single parent most of the years and she was working multiple jobs. So I became, I had to become very independent uh, to just survive. And she was not available emotionally uh, most of the time. So I learned to just kind of take care of myself and live in this very unsettling, 
unloving, if you will, home. Um, And from a very early age, learned to detach from my body. (laughs) Because so many things had happened to me, I just didn't want to feel anything and just learned to survive. And what I learned, how I learned to survive was um, very important because I have, I survived it. (laughs) I've gotten Mm -hmm. to the other side of it. Um, But at the, around the age of 13, she married an individual who uh, was a police officer and was very abusive and manipulative. Mm -hmm and um, took the abuse to a whole new level with me and would use his power to uh, abuse more and more and more. And eventually, um, I told someone at school what was going on. I told them uh, what was happening uh, in the sexual abuse I was experiencing from this individual. And Social workers got involved, you know, the whole process started to unravel. um, And I became very nervous about talking to my mom about this because I had already talked to her once and told her what had been happening, what he'd been doing. Mm. And she said, um, you know, I'll talk to him. I'll make sure he, you know, he stops that and um, nothing changed. So when I talked to so that day after speaking to a counselor at school and then telling me we will need to um, report this and a social worker will get involved and most likely he'll be arrested and, you know, all the things that happen as a result of that. Um, I got real nervous and I said, well, can I please just, you know, talk to my mom before you make that call? I believe it was a Friday or, or um a Thursday. It was towards the end of a week. And my mom's pattern and I, every day after she got home from work, was we'd go on this walk. It was the only moment in our day that was (laughs) semi-human where Mm. we could tap into some sort of connection. And so at the end of that walk, I shared with her, hey, this is what happened at school today. I I shared this with a counselor. They told me blah, 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 blah. She turned to me with rage in her eyes and anger and said, how could you destroy our family? Oh my God. How could you do this to us? And it was in that moment, that was a pivotal moment in my life because I took on the belief that my intuition was wrong, mm, that yeah. I didn't know how to make good decisions for myself and and, you know, throughout my adult life, I gave away all decision-making power over my life because of that moment. So it became a pivotal moment in my healing process. But um, what happened after that was a couple days later, uh, that was reported. He was put into jail. He was um, released out on bond. There was a restraining order. Um, so we, my mom and I were essentially, you know, kind of navigating this world. I was sent to the police station. I was picked up at school one day by a police officer and interrogated for hours on end. I think they were trying to break me or see if I was lying about what I had experienced. Of course, I was not. And that was also another traumatic moment, having to relive and talk through exactly what had happened to me to two men. 
um, in this room without a social worker, without any other support in the room. It was um, very traumatic. After that occurred, a couple days later, um, I came home from school and found suicide letters um, from both him and my mother. And um, they were gone, no, nowhere to be found. So I um, was I moved in with some family members, and it was a couple days later where they were found. They had taken their life. They shot themselves. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And uh, that became also a huge moment of evidence for me that my decision-making was really wrong because it created such destruction. My entire life changed in that moment from – no, no longer having a mother. And, you know, in the, at those, in those early years, I wanted her, even though she was not emotionally available, even though she was neglectful, even though she was allowing this abuse to happen to me and putting me in these very unhealthy situations, I still wanted her. She was my mom. And, you know, that's the interesting dynamics when we're children, that attachment versus authenticity. We attach to our caregivers regardless because we need that. We need that. we need to feel like we belong some way. And that was really hard. It was very hard, as you can imagine. Um, I started therapy. I started EMT or um, EMDR, EMDR, rather. Oh, wow. Yep. Right away to start to work on the guilt um, because I felt like I was the one that pulled the trigger, essentially, that took their lives. So I spent years, I spent my high school years um, going through EMDR. And about my sophomore year, I started to get really just done. I felt I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I didn't, my body started to really ache and hurt. And all I could think about was I just want to see my mom again. And I attempted to take my life when I was 15 years old. I had a near-death experience. Um, I took and swallowed a whole bottle of sleeping pills one day at school, passed out. I The only thing I remember is waking up to this beautiful, like super warm, super loving, golden light, essentially. Like the most powerful feeling you could ever imagine and times it by a thousand. And I can remember thinking, oh my gosh, I've made it. I'm going to get to see my mom again. I just was like oh elated. I was elated because I had missed her so much. And I remember thinking, oh gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait. When do I get to see her? <clears throat> and I felt a hand, I felt pressure on my chest and I was being pushed back away. And the only thing I heard was, it's not your time. And I woke up. Wow, that's powerful. It was so powerful. Um, I woke up to the end of the school day. Kids were rushing out of school. And I was like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I was just there. I was just there. Why? What's wrong with me? Why can't I just do this? Um, I made it home. I, I got a ride home and I started to hallucinate. I started to have these really strange reactions to the sleeping pills in my body. And I was shaking. I was just 
like out of my mind and called 911 and they um, put me into ICU for a couple of days and then admitted me to a mental um, institution for a period of time so that I could undergo some intense treatment and was diagnosed with PTSD, Mm. put on some medication, um, some antidepressants and that really became some intense treatment and uh, therapy for a period of time. Um, And then I continued my therapy outside of that till the end of um, high school. You know, I graduated high school and I graduated this treatment and I was like, all right, life, here I come. (laughs) But what I didn't realize was, you know, the layers and layers and layers and layers of that experience You know, I had gone through four years of therapy and thought, okay, like I had to have touched it all, right? Like I'm good. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, I started to become very obsessed with things being perfect. I started to perfect my outer world like a magazine that you would see, you know, like the cover of like Home and Garden or, mm. you know, the cover or, or, you know, when you look at Crate and Barrel and you see all of their things so perfectly, like that essentially was me and my life. I I perfected my outward appearance, my outward home. I was, you know, married with kids and everything was perfect. But on the inside, I felt like I was crumbling and trying to hide it. I kept pretending that everything was fine, pretending that all is good. But really underneath, I was starting to experience anxiety and major stress. And the more I felt agitated within my body, the more I perfected and got obsessed with making everything exactly as it should be on the outward or in the outward world. In my 20s, in my late 20s, I started to have flashbacks to my abuse as a child. And so I went through another round of multiple years of intense therapy. In my late 30s, you know, all these years I'd been in and out of therapy, mostly talk therapy, except for in my teenage years, I went to EMDR. But in my late 30s, all of a sudden, I started feeling this rage in my body. And the way I I have an example of what this looked like for me, and that was my daughter, my youngest, is such a beautiful, she, she's my teacher in so many ways. (laughs) Yes. She has this beautiful range of expressing emotion. She can express bliss and joy and all go all the way to the other side with rage and anger. And she just expresses it so freely. And in those early years, she was about five around the time that I started having this anger start to build up in my body. It it was very uncomfortable for me to watch her be so angry at times. And I would try to, I would try to like do everything I could to make sure she wasn't angry. (laughs) Like, how can I please her? So I never have to hear her screaming because that literally sent like pain tingles throughout my entire body. And there was one moment where she was having this massive temper tantrum and I like screaming and yelling and just was angry at me for I'm sure the stupidest of things. (laughs) As children sometimes do. Yes, totally. 
And I'm sitting, I'm at the kitchen washing the dishes with my back to her, and I can feel this fire rolling through my body from my feet to my head, and it's just hot, and it's burning, and I'm like, oh my God, she needs to shut up. I, I, I was like, what? I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to like, okay, you know, I can't, I can't do anything. I just got to like let her ride this out. But it was like this, this movement was happening in my body and I could not control it. And it poof out through the top of my head explosion. I turned around and I had this glass in my hand that I was washing and I threw it at her feet and I yelled, just shut up, shut up. And I remember seeing her face was like massive shock and fear. Like, oh my God, mom's never yelled at me. What just happened? And she's crying and I'm crying and I'm like, this isn't who I am. Like, I don't want to be like throwing glasses at my children. Like what? (laughs) That's not me. That's not me. And I knew something was going on. I just could not understand or had the language to really understand it. So that's what really became the catalyst for going and seeking somatic experiencing therapy and really learning how to unpack the story and the energy and the emotions and all the parts of me that were still stuck in my body from all the things I had experienced as a child. And it took about a couple of, you know, two and a half years. But in those two and a half years, I healed more than I did in the last 20 years of talk therapy. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this learning this about this connection in our body and how our health is impacted how our relationships become impacted, how we, the repressing of ourselves and all the ways really impacts, um, impacts us at such a deep level that really for me was this light bulb, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, people need to know about this, need to know about the, the how trauma at such an early age can get stuck in our body. And, you know, that stuck energy, that stuck part of us wants to be healed and tries to be healed. But, you know, over time, if we don't really listen to that, it shows up as health issues. It shows up as relationship issues, as shows up as outbursts. And it just, for me, was all the things. Wow. That's powerful. You know, I, I found myself in your shoes with my children. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard if you've, if you've experienced trauma your 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 children are the, your best teachers, but sometimes yes. it's hard to see what they're trying to show you. Yes, totally. it's really really hard, and and I'm I'm realizing that, and you know I I'm in internal family systems therapy, mm. um, yes. which is it, it's it's amazing, and and you know it's 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 it is really hard to see my daughter because in a way she's like a reflection of the things that I really hated about myself. Right. Mm. Like the, you know, the self-loathing of why, you know, my parents would not let me feel God forbid I cried. God forbid, like I showed emotion and, you know, and I'm trying to give my children the space for them to show their emotion. Um, but there are times when I look at my daughter and I'm like, oh my God, that is me. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> and this is not good <laughs> because yeah. I have not come to terms with that part of me yet. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, it's the awareness. Yeah. 
that I'm realizing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, and, and, you know, for me as well with the somatic experiencing it, for me, I was like, Oh my gosh. Cause you know, I think it was my third episode of my podcast. We're right. We're at 93. But my third episode of, of my podcast, I talked about somatic experiencing because yes. I had never heard about somatic yes. experiencing yes. prior to my treatment. And just not under, just, you know, understanding that that energy is trapped in your body, is, I feel like is everything because it's like, it well, then you can name it and then you can understand yes. it and then you can totally. find the root to it. And, yeah. and now what you're saying is it's related to all these chronic health issues. And you're right. I didn't realize even, even post um, somatic experience. And for me, I didn't even realize it. I used to go to the hospital, to the ER every single year as a child for, for mm. stomach issues. Mm. And they'd be like, Oh, oh it's gastroenteritis. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I was like, wait a minute, there's this correlate. <laughs> like yes. I've, I've been dealing with the, this, this trauma from childhood sexual abuse. And, and then all of a sudden, once I started actually getting help, I, I haven't been to the hospital since for, That's for great. my gastroenteritis that I was there for, for every single year, at least once a year. Yes. Ah. Oh. That's it's really, crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, it's similar. Like I was diagnosed with IBS when I was a late teen, and I always had digestive issues, always. Um, and it, it makes sense now. We hold a lot of emotion, and you know, at least I do. I hold a lot of emotion in my gut. And what I started to really notice when I became, when I started to become more aware of the idea that we we can hold and repress these emotions in our body and even these experiences can get stuck in our body. What I started to really notice when I was still working in corporate America is that I would have a stressful day. And by the end of the day, my stomach would be so bloated from mm stress and emotion of like, like, I, again, that perfectionist, um, archetype, I wanted to be perfect at my job. And so I pushed myself and would take on more than I should and never said no and worked long hours and, you know, tried to be this wonder woman who had the job and the career and the kids and, you know, just was killing it in all places. But that meant I held a lot of stress. And by the end of the day, it would look like I was five months pregnant. My stomach would be so, um, so bloated with emotion. I'd have to lay down in my bathroom and just like try and slowly, you know, breathe and start to, you know, reconnect to my body again. And that was really the moment I was like, oh my gosh, I'm holding so much stress in my body. But it's not just the stress from the work. It's it's the stress of years of being chronically stressed, you know, from the moment I was a child. So how do you, how did you heal or or work mm-hmm. on your IBS? Yeah. It's been years. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a journey just like with healing. Um healing from my past. Uh, but it started with, um, it started with the somatic experiencing really, uh, helping me understand 
the language of my nervous system and the language, like I did, I spent a lot of time really assessing how my body felt in certain, in different experiences and around different people so that I could just start to understand when I feel like I can't say no, my body feels this way. When I feel relaxed, my body feels this way. So I became, started to become this detective of like the language of my nervous system, how it was interacting with my environment, how it was trying to catch my attention. Um, and I started to work on healing those parts within me um, using IFS and using somatic experiencing, um, healing those parts that held the pain and the wounds and working on integrating them back into my whole body. And then I started working with a functional practitioner um, to care for the physical aspects of that, um, of that stress, which was my IBS. Um, I, uh, worked on changing my diet and my diet has changed over the years. And I think there is no one size fits all for anybody. Uh, that's what I've learned through my own nutritional education, as well as my own experiences. You know, when I first started this, I was eating paleo, but today I don't eat paleo, I eat a modified form of it. Um, uh, but I took out, uh, just like, um, just like with emotions, I would, I would cope with my emotional swings and my stressful days with eating. Um, so I was an emotional eater and I would eat the sugar and the carbs and the treats and all the things. And when I started working on that, it really started to shift the diet that I was able to maintain that was helpful and healing for my body. Um, so I worked on that part, that emotional eater part a lot. And at first I just, you know, when I would feel stressed and want to eat like pancake waffles and syrup was the thing that I wanted to eat every day when I was stressed. So mm -hmm. there would be moments where I'd want to eat that and I would let myself eat it, but I'd invite that part, that emotional eater part in with me to join me. And I would, you know, just have this like internal dialogue with that part. And I listened to her about how stressed she was. And I learned that when I was a teenager and I lost my mom and went through all of that, that's really when that part showed up. That's really when food became a coping mechanism. It became something that soothed my system. Did it feel like it was a part that you could control a lot more than anything else? Um, when I started, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like... Uh, that part, well, that part felt uncontrollable at first, mm. when, you know, when I was going through the emotional swings, it felt like that part took over my life, <laughs> you know, and I would just ravage anything and everything. And once I felt better, then it felt like I had more clarity and I could live my life. Um, but as I started to work on healing that part, um, I felt like I had more control of the situation. So, you know, couple weeks or months into working with that part, when I would get stressed, I'd notice the need or desire to want to emotionally eat. 
And then I could place my hand on my heart, which was, I always felt her in my chest. Mm -hmm. I always, when I felt stressed and wanted to emotionally eat, my chest would feel tight. So I'd place my hand there and I'd say, Hey honey, I know we're really stressed right now. Like I get it. I know why you want to emotionally eat, but I also know that doesn't make us feel any better. So let's go sit outside and watch the sunset um, or put our feet in the grass. And that part really liked that. Um, as an alternative to eating. So I slowly switched out the more healthy way of coping with my stressful stress and emotions. Um, And the more that I did that, the more that I stuck with that, when I changed my diet to accommodate uh, the healing of my gut, I was able to stick with it, even during times of stress, because I had really done the work to to heal that part, to build a relationship with that part. <clears throat> wow. That, that's incredible. That's incredible. I love internal family systems therapy and understanding your parts. Yeah. Um, but that, that is, that is a very beautiful way to look at it. I'm like sitting there thinking like, yes, that, 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 that should be healed too. That mm-hmm. should be taken care of too. Yes. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, you have a pro, well, you have several programs right? For, for people who want to heal, um, themselves kind of, I I'm kind of, I'm curious to know what are, what is, what comes with these programs? What is it that you do, um, from start to finish? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have, um, I have, digital courses, I have healing sessions, I have three month long experiences, I even do hiking and healing uh, journeys. Um, But the online courses, I have a couple of them, there's one about burnout, and learning how to rewire your body and get your life back um, so that you can start to enjoy it again. And I have another one that's called um, which is all about aligning to the success that you want to see in your life. Um, These are online courses. So they come with video training sessions from me. They come with workbooks. They come with audio meditations. They come with somatic experiencing practices. But these ones are more Mm self-paced so that you can take your time going through them. Um, And, you know, really anchor into experiencing the content within them. Uh, The Anchored and Success program is 30 days if you were to do a little bit every day. So that's like 30 minutes a day where you're listening or watching a video or listening to an audio. There might be some activity where you start to assess your life in a variety of ways. Um, You would then have practices um, like functional nutrition, recommendations, um, uh, mindfulness types of things, somatic experiencing types of things, healing, um, trauma, you know, regulating emotions, nervous system regulation. All of my courses have like kind of a, a meshing, if you will, of all of those types of topics. But they don't go, they only go so far because I don't know the um, customer's experiences. I don't know the, the health issues, that type of thing. So these are more of like a starting point. If you want to learn more about your nervous system and want to learn more about the language of your nervous system, if you want to learn more about the 
foundations of functional nutrition and how to apply them to your circumstances. If you want to learn more about nervous system regulation and have um, exercises provided to you on a regular basis that can help walk you through the implementation of those tools, then these courses really provide that. So do they have, do um, your customers, your clients um, have access to you? Uh, With these courses, uh, they do, um, but on a, um, on a like monthly basis. So Mm -hmm. if you were to sign up for the 30 day one, you'd have um, access to me for, um, you know, the month, the 30 days. Um, But then after that, um, you know, it would be, it would be complete. What do you hope your clients will um, achieve once they've completed these courses? Well, I think, you know, we so often in media and in our culture are taught that the answers lie outside of us. Mm, That the, um, You know, what I had to really reconcile for myself in my healing journey was that the doctor may not always know all the pieces that are needed for me to heal. They may not know exactly how I'm feeling in my body. Um, And when I really started to take more ownership and accountability for my own life, for my own healing, it meant that I had to step up and say, I am the the navigator of my health. I'm the navigator of my life. So I need to get really crystal clear around and build this awareness around what works for me, who I am, what I need. Um, I'm a very sensitive person in general. So sometimes medications wouldn't work for me, but I held shame that that things didn't work for me. And I felt like, oh, I'm a bad person because this medication doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say anything to my doctor because they know it all, right? For Mm -hmm. me, it was learning how to advocate for my needs and learn and build awareness around what I needed personally, and then go seek out the support and the resources that could help me meet those needs. So in these programs, and even in my healing sessions that I do one-on-one, um, my goal for people that I work with is really to help them learn how to tune into their own bodies and their own needs and meet their own needs to, to learn how to become the advocate for themselves and start to build this relationship with themselves so that they can start to take the action to heal uh, in ways that feel empowering and um, give them the results that they need without feeling like they're at the, the, you know, that they're waiting for some doctor or they're waiting for some, someone to tell them what to do. We have the answers within us. It's just learning to build that awareness and learning how to build that, understand that language of how our body speaks to us and learning some of these tools like somatic experiencing um, and, and functional nutrition and how it can work for you. Well, I, I think what was really interesting, what you said earlier in our conversation about when your mother and your stepfather took their life, that you felt like you lost all sense of your intuition being right. Yeah. Like that compass. And I feel like that's what a lot of people lose when they, they've experienced trauma. Like what? Yeah. Because people are all around us telling us what 
they believe yes. what they think is right and wrong. Yeah. And the thing is that within you, you already knew it was, you knew the right thing to do was to say something. Yes. And I think, um, I think that, and I, and I'll keep going back to this over and over and over again, but I feel like that when that it, it is hard to trust your gut, it's hard to know when there's so many layers of trauma that's like, that's covering all of it, your gut intuition, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really hard to be able to figure out your, your true intuition, your true gut feeling that's really trying to tell you what, because it's so hard to trust when people are, when, when you finally do trust it and you say something and other people are like, nope, that's the wrong, that's the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is. And, and the reality is, those experiences um, are not the end all be all. We can heal them and we can learn to relearn to trust ourselves again and relearn to listen to our intuition. And it does take time. It is a process. It, it is not just one thing one day. You have to, you know, really spend time to commit to your healing. Um, but I've seen it time and time again. People do come back to that state where they trust themselves, where they can listen to their intuition, where they can release that energy from their body and start to feel a little bit more open in terms of the energy in their body. They don't feel so rigid and tense. And when we start to do that, we can start to show up in different, in more beautiful ways for ourselves, for the people around us. Um, and, ha you know, it just is this ripple effect, but it is possible. Yeah. Wow. You, I mean, you are proof that it's possible. I am proof that it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. is possible. It is possible. Um, wow. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, you know, I think what I'd like to add is we just talked a little bit about, you know, it's possible anyone can do this. Uh but what I would also like to add is sometimes when we're when we start our healing process or when we're in the middle of it, we can start to judge and criticize and compare ourselves, you know, on this healing journey to someone we think has, you know, got has done it all and has got to the other side and they're doing all these amazing things. And um, what I would say is, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for that voice wanting to <laughs> compare your, your process, compare your healing, compare your health issues, compare your health needs. Uh, be on the lookout for that and um, try to switch that off as much as you can, like turning off a light switch. When you hear that that messaging or that feel that in your body, start to turn that switch off and turn on one that's full of compassion and love for yourself and turn on the voice that says, my journey is my journey. My healing is my healing. My health is my health. And what I need is going to be different from someone else. And that's okay. It doesn't make me bad or wrong. It just makes me who I am. And the more we can hold compassion for who we are and the process we need, um, the better our healing process can go. Um, the the it, I'm not going to say easier because sometimes the the journey is hard. Oh, it's hard. Yes, it, it is. is. <laughs> but it can it can offer a little bit of relief when we can 
build up that muscle and, and retrain that muscle to hold compassion for ourselves in that mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Self-compassion is, is, is a gift and, and we all have it and we just need to kind of peel away for it. Um, so Mandy, thank you so much. I absolutely appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and, and, and talking a little bit about the amazing work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, that was Mandy Harvey, global leader in trauma healing. For more information on Mandy and her programs, you can click on that scrolling fortune cookie right there. It's a lot smaller than it used to be, and it's not in the middle of your screen. So it's right there um, towards the left. But um, April's issue of Authentic Insider Magazine is out. She actually contributed to April's issue. Um, May's issue is coming out next week. She will also be contributing to that issue as well as June. So if you want to check out Authentic Insider, go ahead and go to traumasurvivorthriver.com. That's traumasurvivorthriver.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider in your inbox monthly. Thank you again for joining me today. Join me live next week. Week, April 26th, when I speak with anesthesiologist Dr. Eugene Lipov and artist Jamie Mustard, co-authors of the book, The Invisible Machine, when they discuss a simple, non-invasive outpatient procedure called the Dual Sympathetic Reset, DSR, that addresses the root of the physical problem, the overactivation of the sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight but what they call the invisible machine. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. I'm Laura Lee Binstock. Thank you again for being a part of the conversation. Take care.